Hey, it's Alabama Annie here with another story and an excerpt from a song for you today. I'm going to tell you about a place called Little River Canyon. Now, Little River Canyon is located in the northeast corner of Alabama. And it's almost a well-kept secret, although it is listed in, uh, in places to visit with the state of Alabama and, and other uh, sites of that nature. But it is a very, very remote location. It's been explored and utilized from the times of early man. And uh, I'll just read it to you. And this is a tale, uh, one of many tales about the canyon. This one is about some uh, surveyors who came in after the Civil War and something they encountered that caused them never to come back, at least for a long time. There are many legends and tales about Little River Canyon, the deepest gorge this side of the Mississippi, dating back to the records of early explorers. And it is clear that the eyes of early man knew this place well, understood its beauty, utilized its caves for shelter and protection, hunted its plentiful game, and fished or bathed in its waters. Little River tumbles down over huge boulders between the high sheer bluffs of this canyon, which is a wild place, with flora and fauna rivaled only by some found in the remotest regions of our planet. Uninhabited for the most part to this day, save a few houses along the canyon rim built by greedy developers and once an attempt at commercializing, commercializing the southern rim of the canyon into an amusement park during the 1960s, but thank goodness that didn't last too long. It is now a protected area and remains much the same as it was when early man first set eyes upon it. Little River Canyon, or Maze Gulf as it is called, is a place with many secrets and legends that surround it. One of the most told is that of a Cherokee warrior who has often been seen standing along the rim of the canyon guarding secreted locations of lead and silver mines within its depths. Another of the stories told about Little River Canyon is as follows. In the early 1870s after the Civil War, when railroad and mining companies again turned their eyes to look at a mountain, a representative from a development group from back east came with a party of men hauling supplies and tools for an extended stay, intending to explore and map the canyon's depths and surrounding forests, searching for mineral and coal deposits. The party climbed the mountain near Yellow Creek Falls and entered Mays Gulf from that end hauling up their gear, but the expedition was fraught with troubles. The men were constantly in danger of rock slides, flash floods, falling boulders and trees, and deadly traps set along the water's edge by someone who did not want them there. It was speculated afterward that these traps had been set by one of the few families still living near the canyon. There were also dangers from animal attacks. Bear and panther roamed the canyon. There were also creatures no one spoke of, save in whispers around the fires at night. Tall, upright, walking creatures that the Cherokee said could rip a man limb from limb. And large bats who had been seen occasionally feeding on the plentiful fish and wildlife in the area. At night, 
Shrieks and screeches and screams fill the air. Low growls could be heard at times in the darkness, unnerving the men who slept in shifts around their fire and fitfully at that. They would often awake in the morning to discover their tools missing or broken or their food stores ransacked. They were pelted by rocks at times and on three occasions they were fired upon with arrows, though they could never see their attackers. Though the speculator and his party had been warned of the dangers in the canyon by an old-timer who'd encountered them upon their arrival, they did not take him seriously. But, in time, the dangers they faced in the canyon were made all too clear to them. It was after one of the party was shot through the heart with an arrow, and another disappeared from the camp altogether in the dead of night, that the party grew less in number. Of the fifteen men who had come on the expedition, with one man dead and one missing, six men packed up and left, all with frayed nerves from lack of sleep, having to be constantly on guard and urge the others to do the same. But the others remained for a few days before departing as well, until only the speculator and one other man remained behind, determined to finish the work they had come to do. But after a while, when the two did not arrive at the designated time of their departure by train from Alabama, a search was organized in the canyon. A cap belonging to the speculator was found bloody, impaled on the trunk of a tree by an arrow, but the man himself was never located. While the remains of the second man was found nearby on a sheer rock outcrop, his head missing and his body half-eaten. Plans were abandoned in future to survey the canyon, and it would be years before another attempt was made to do so. So there we have the story, and now I'd like to add to that that in future I'll be telling you other stories about Little River Canyon, including one about a fishing trip where the fishermen encountered more than they bargained for. So here's an excerpt from the song entitled, Nobody Here But Me. If I can get my chair right. Ah. Okay, here we go. Feed the flame of the evening fire, moon shining through the trees. Spin along with the whippoorwill song, wishing you were here with me. There's a hoot owl calling down in the canyon, as lonely as an owl can be. And then I climb to the top up above the rocks to see what I can see. Silver light and moonbeam dancing, nobody here but me. Silver light and moonbeam dancing, nobody here but me. There we go. All right, see you next time.